Hey world, welcome to the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast. I am your host, Nola Rowe, and this guy that's bopping his head here, uh, this is my co-host, Mr. Mele. <laughs> What's goody? Everything is good, Mele. Cool, Everything cool. is always good. I tell I'm you always every- glad to hear that, you know. I tell I'm you glad. that every week, man. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you are tuning in on YouTube and you're able to watch and see what's happening, you're seeing two additional people in the building while these people are here to <laughs> tell you that money talks, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> money. Now, uh, the first person um, on here, listen, this is like, uh, let me let me just run this down, y'all. It's a mouthful. So um, the gentleman that you're looking at, uh, Mr. David Germain, born from Jamaican and Haitian parents in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Wagwan, <laughs> <laughs> well, brethren. Uh, 2007 to 2008, uh, championship high school basketball coach at John Jay High School. 2013 Rising Star Award recipient and franchise owner in only four months of being licensed at Rapid Realty. 2016 Young Gifted and Black Award recipient for professional services and business management and leadership award. I feel like I was there. I feel like I I, I was at that um, award ceremony because I catered. I provided the food. Um, Mm -hmm. National Association of Real Estate Brokers member and 2019 panel speaker with Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams for Agents of Color. Love it. Licensed real estate instructor at Enox Foliage Real Estate School. Team leader of Proven Winners Realty Team at Compass. Sheesh. (laughs) Did did you leave anything out? I'm also a child of God and a father <laughs> for a four-year-old son. Hey, okay. See? I told you there was more. And uh, this gorgeous young lady who was serving here right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Amanda Gale, a managing partner of Gale Law Firm, a boutique business and trademark, trademark law firm that specializes in working with entrepreneurs to develop and protect their businesses through business contract and trademark law. I love that. The importance of um, everything that you guys have accomplished so that you can, um, you know, relay these messages and give these people some gems. I appreciate it. So thank you guys so much for being here. Um, First and foremost, let's start with um, David. You have uh, such a dope story that I've heard before. And I'm like, you know what? The people need to hear this story, man. So tell the people once again who you are and your unique story that led you to this place um, where we're about to talk about finance and money. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thank God, my Savior, Jesus Christ, right, for having me here. And thank you guys for allowing to have this platform so we can share our stories and continue to shed light on, you know, the stories that each and every one of us has. So my story is I'm pretty much born here in Brooklyn. My mother came from Jamaica, right? Um, And my father is an immigrant from Haiti. Uh, He was in the Vietnam War. And, you know, just like more, a lot of veterans who came back from the war, even Muhammad Ali didn't want to fight that war. Uh, he came back, you know, for lack of better words, Looney Tunes, right? He couldn't get a job and a lot of homeless veterans and, you know, he couldn't hold a job. So 
when my mom and him was married, it was a two-parent household at that time. You know, income was good. But then, you know, when he came back from the war, just like a lot of war veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, he couldn't hold on a job. And then he lost his job. So we went from a two-parent income to now a one-parent income because, you know, my mother and him, I guess, couldn't keep it together at that time. And now we went from a stable family to now being unstable, where my mom now had to be a single parent with now three kids. I'm the oldest of three. And going from a single parent household now where you had two breadwinners to one, guess what? Now it was hard for her to, you know, and I feel, I feel for for women, you know, because our women are the backbone, mothers, you know. And basically now we're on welfare, food stamps, and went from a stable home to now an unstable home where now we just trying to survive, right? So it's not like I was born with a spoon of money and I had this, you know, I had like Donald Trump and his father gave him a small loan of a million dollars. I came from nothing, right? And to, to go through those struggles because, you know, when you're young, I didn't realize I was poor or broke at that time because, you know, thank God my mother provided so much love in the home. Right. And thank God to all the strong black women out there, the mothers out there that are, you know, raising kids on their own and going from there, you know, at the dinner table, nobody's actually talking about because my mom was a teacher, even though she came from Jamaica, she was an accountant. But when she came here, she could only be a teacher. Right. For whatever her reason, I guess she changed because of me, you know, being the firstborn, you know, because I see the sacrifices that our parents had to make just so that the kids could be better, right? And I did, I guess she did so she could be home with me and not be a latchkey kid, you know, because teachers get out at the same time we get out. And she gave up on her dreams. And I think that's something, you know, she probably would have never told me that, but I think she gave up on her dreams so that our dreams could, you know, her, her kids could do better. Mm. So now coming from that environment where, you know, we're not talk at the dinner table you know, about finances. We're not talking about, you know, all it was is you better go to school, <laughs> you better get a job, <laughs> and you better not get anybody pregnant when you're 18 years old, <laughs> right? And I, that's all I remember, you know, and we weren't taught about finances. And one day I got hit by a car, and thank God I don't look like what I've been through. And when I got hit by a car, I got a settlement. And when I got this settlement, it was $100,000. Now, I couldn't touch the money until I was 18 years old. Now, imagine now, you know, you're, nobody talks about finances and uh, how to invest. And all I remember, I grew up in the 80s during the crack era. And guess who got the respect in the streets? It was the drug dealers, you know, the guys who had the, the dope cars with the chains and, and the rims and the systems, you know, uh, the hood rich. And that's all I knew in that environment, grew up in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. And, you know, so as soon as I turned 18, guess what you think the first thing I did when I got that money? And, you know, when you get money and you haven't been taught how to deal with money, Right. You know, I end up going buy a car, you know, which is not an asset. It's actually a liability. But, you know, at that time, you know, I wanted the respect in the streets. And, you know, at that time, girls wasn't checking for me back then. So, you know, how do you get girls back then? You get a nice car and, 
you get the rims. Let me tell you how crazy it was. I got the car, I got the system, I got the rims, I didn't need insurance. That's to show you how I wasn't even thinking, wow. you know. The dealer got me, boy. I tell you, I was so naive back then, you know. But, you know, when you're 18, you know, you think you know it all at that time. And you really don't know anything, you know. And so now I have this money. And then within four months, four months, I blew $90,000 within four <sighs> months. My mom said, boy, you are stupid. That money was supposed to be used for either college or to buy a house. And we were living in a two-bedroom apartment. I had to share my bed with my brother, you know, hand-me-downs and stuff. And I was 18 years old. I'm not thinking about college or buying a house. I'm thinking about what? Right now, living for the moment, right? And, you know, I'm down to my last 10000 My mom, thank God, you know, she, we had a joint account and she took the last 10000 and she used it to get an FHA mortgage, right? Which basically is a mortgage where you pay only 3.5% down back in 1993, right? So all it took was $10,000, guys. I want you to understand that. To go and qualify for a mortgage back then, right? On a teacher's salary, and I don't think you guys know what the teacher's salary was back then. It was not a lot of money. And because of that decision, because one decision can set you forward 20 years, and one bad decision can set you back 20 years, right? And because of that decision, she went and wanted to have a better environment for me, my brother, my sister. She got the FHA mortgage and was able to qualify to buy a house, a two-family house in Park Soap back in 1993 for $100 and $30,000 in 1993 during the, 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 when New York was not, when Brooklyn was not the Brooklyn that we know today, okay, right? And I think back, you know, what happens if she didn't do that? Because now, fast forward, that one property changed the whole last name and legacy for my family, right? And real estate, I lived it, I could tell you, is one of the wealth building blocks that can change because now that one house led to two because the equity rose so high, which led to three, which led to four, which eventually led to five properties. And then now that same house that we bought in 1993 for 130,000, fast forward to today, to 2020, guess how much that house is today? Almost $2.4 million. And we sold it in 2018, guys. So that's a $10,000 investment. Imagine if I went, and that's the difference between assets and library. Imagine if, we, if I blew it on clothes or, because we all have the opportunity. We all can make the same amount of money. It's what we do with our money. You understand? So uh, that's pretty much my story. You know, And I'm just a proponent. I lived it. I sleep it. I breathe it. And I can tell you that. Real estate works, you know, and I, I wish I could show you, you know, a tour, you know, because, you know, I didn't have my own room until I was like in my teenage years. And I see my son now because of real estate where he has his own. I think he's actually too spoiled, to be honest with you. But, you know, the fact that he's doing better than me at this stage in his life. And that's what it's all about, leaving a legacy for your kids and your family. You say a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, not only for me, but their children's children. So that's pretty much my story in a nutshell. 
I think you so, touched on um I think you touched on one of the most profound points that um we don't really realize and it it honestly this clicked in my head when I was at a Jay-Z concert. So I'm at this concert and of course I'm dancing, having a good time. He's singing, but in the middle of the concert, he decided to stop and um, just say a few words. And what I got out of this, um, I heard him say, listen, this uh, Barclays Center that you're in right now, this is not something new. We've been planning this for like 20 years, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was just astounded, like, that's the difference between certain groups, you know, these different groups. Some people, they want the now. They want that instant gratification. They want their money to be flipped immediately on the spot. And some people, like you said, they plan for their kids, 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 kids. Right. And um, they make sure that that money is long. And that's how people have been able to create legacies and create wealth that's unshakable. So when you're looking at a, a, a certain demographic that, you know, when a pandemic or something really significant happens in our society, uh, when you look at what happens to them financially when the economy goes crazy and then you look at the people who have been preparing for whatever for the past 10, 20 years, there's a very, very big difference. And, you, you know, we have to start thinking about the long run. And I had this conversation on an, an, um, an, an episode where we talked about um, things within the black community and black history facts. And I mentioned that Martin Luther King Jr., you know, when he was doing the work that he was doing, I visited Atlanta and uh, went to his memorial and I stood there for hours reading every little thing that he did. And I was like, yo, this man wakes up. He woke up every day every single day and he dedicated his life to this one cause that he knew wasn't for him he knew he said it in the the i have a dream speech that one day certain things will happen so he was doing things and putting things in place for people 50 years into the future but it's very difficult for us to think like that we feel like this is my money i want it now if it's not flipping on the spot but then you're not thinking of your legacy you're not thinking of your grandkids or your great 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 grandkids so we also have this um beautiful woman here with us uh, amanda um amanda gale if you could just kindly introduce yourself and uh, you know just tell the people a little bit of what you do absolutely absolutely so i'll give you a bit of my background um as well about what led me to my practice um which now specializes in working with business owners in building their businesses and protecting them through business law contracts and trademarks um i won't go from the the cradle <laughs> Like David did, but I'm also Jamaican, born and bred in Brooklyn. I'm from Canarsie originally. Um, and I always knew when I was younger, when I was as early as six, actually, um, that I wanted to be an attorney. However, I wanted to be a civil rights attorney. That was my mission. So it's interesting that you mentioned Dr. King and him thinking about legacy and thinking about the future and that the cause that he was fighting for was not our own because it's really what inspired me to... Um, go into civil rights law. I really remember being a young child and just enraged at how uh, people 
I say people of color because that's a PC term, right, that we use now, but black people were being discriminated against and racially profiled and brutalized just because of the colors of our skin. So I was determined to become a civil rights attorney, went to college. I went to John Jay College here in the city, went to New York Law School, um, and planned to enter into a civil rights field. I started off as a public defender where I advocated for minorities um, primarily, um, but all my clients. Um, who had encounters with the police uh, departments here in the city and quickly realized that, you know, a lot of them had experienced police brutality. Um, from there, I transitioned into a government position where I was working as a prosecutor, actually prosecuting police misconduct. Um, that experience, while I really enjoyed it, I was really good at it, um, <laughs> I felt as though at the time it was limited in my ability to really assist us long term um, to kind of come out of these situations. Yes, in the, in the immediate uh, situation, I was helping them fight the case and, you know, seek justice and advocate for themselves. But long term, they were still in situations and living in conditions that would not ultimately benefit them and their families. So at the time, I actually started to become entrepreneurial myself. I started a t-shirt line um, for law students called uh, Believe in UTs primarily to encourage them to pass the bar exam. So my first premier design says I will pass the bar. Um, at the time, I was really nervous about um, releasing it because there are major bar exam companies. And I said, oh, no, I don't want anyone to steal it. And I said, okay, well, what am I going to do? Um, I'd never done trademarks. This is like six years ago. I'd never done trademarks. I was a public interest attorney. I was a civil rights attorney. But I said, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go for this. I'm smart. <laughs> I'm capable. I'm going to go for this. So I did. Um, and, you know, you always get a little pushback when you're fighting with the USPTO. But um, like anything, like in every other case, every other situation, I advocated for myself and I got my trademark. So I will pass the bar is my registered trademark. And it's what really first planted the seed um, for me in that it empowers business owners to own their brands to truly have ownership, not just creating um, products and releasing things and just trying to think about like the short term return. It really allows you to say, okay, this is something that I own and I'm going to continue to own forever as long as I continue to use it. So from there, I worked in uh, civil practice and about two years ago, I started my firm, Gale Law Firm PLLC, to empower business owners to ensure that they know what needs to be done as they're setting up their businesses. We, I walk them through every step of their business from business formation to making sure that they have the correct agreement set up in place between them and anybody that they're contracting with to make sure that even if you are contracting with someone, once we get our LLC, once we protected ourselves from personal liability that way, that we're not entering into agreements that are going to make us vulnerable and expose us to having someone take what we built from us. Um, my practice also focuses, like I said, on trademarks, which is as you're building your brand, um, we can protect your brand name, protect your logo, protect your services to make sure that there isn't someone else out there that can infringe on exactly what you do and that you're in a position to license your business, own your business, market your business without worrying about anybody else interfering with it. I love it. And and I think what I what I'm also hearing is yes, the root of this derived from 
um, wanting to get into civil rights, but essentially, you know, that's what you're doing in, in another form. And I love that because you're still a person of service. And, uh, you know, it's really important that we have a tribe of people who all play a key role in different departments. And once mm -hmm. you figure out what your talent is, what your passion is, if this is something that you can give to people, you, you have an obligation. That's why you have it. You don't have it to say, hey, I think I would be good as a lawyer. And then you just sit home all day and get pats on your back for it. You know, you're, you're given that gift. You're given the ability to absorb that information for a reason. That's your purpose. So I love that uh, both of you are in different spaces, but you're both offering services and information that are integral to our community's longevity and how we uh, grow as a people. Now, one thing that um, I've discovered over the years is, you know, if you have a nine to five, that's fine. If you have a job, listen, do not leave your job because you're hearing um, someone else say that, you know, you can get rich off of having a nine to five. And that's, that's something that I really want to touch on. We do have people who believe, and I'm not talking about, you know, this six, seven figure uh, career um, where you're pulling in all of this money and, and you're barely using any and then you have a whole lot left over. I'm talking about uh, the majority of the people who wake up, go to work every day, you have a regular job and you make money to pay your bills. And when your bills are paid, you don't have anything left over. You can't even take a vacation. There are people within that lifestyle who still believe that, you know, if I save my money, I am going to become wealthy. It's never going to happen. And, you know, you don't have to take it from me, but um, I'm going to have David jump in for a second and explain to you um, how if you don't know certain secrets, and, and that's something that I really resent in our society, if you don't know certain hacks or you don't know certain secrets or certain ways to get into the, the realm of wealth, you're not going to get there. And uh, that's why we have these two amazing people here today to kind of, you know, give you these hacks and give you these gems. So David, if you will, please jump in and tell these people historically, what's one of the ways I'm going to have you touch on one. I'm going to have Amanda touch on one. One of the ways that people have been able to gain and retain wealth, um, specifically in this country. Well, you see, in the Bible, it says in Hosea 2, it says, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Right. And we, we all have a knowledge problem in this country because you can't do better if you don't know better. And, you know, the things that were taught to, I guess, the majority of the population was, you know, go to school. Right. I did that. Get a job. I did that, too. I worked a job for the Board of Ed for 15 years. I did everything my parents told me to do. But guess what? One day my phone rang. My mom got into a car accident when she was alive. And I went to my boss and I said, look, my mom's in a car accident. I need to leave work. And my boss said, David, unfortunately, we're short staff and we, can't, we don't have anybody to replace you right now. So basically, I had to make a decision, either go see my mom in the hospital or stay on the job, which, you know, they wanted me to stay there. And I had to make a decision. I said, you know what? I could always get another job. I can't get another mother. But you know what? The late, great Maya Angelou said, people forget what you say. People even forget what you do, but people never forget how you made they them make feel. Them feel. 
And I remember how I felt that day where I was, I had to make a decision between my family and my job. And I said, whoa, you know, I never want to be in that position again where I had to make a choice, right? You know, the fact is that, you know, there's this 40-40-40 plan that I learned, you know, once I started studying wealth, guys, study wealth, right? Study the books like Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad and Grow, uh, Think and Grow Rich, you know, by um, Napoleon Hill. That changed my life, right? Then Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we talked about the four wealth quadrants, right? And I just want to touch on that because there's an employee, right, which is about 95% of the population. 95% of the population is employees, right? Then you have business owners, which is another wealth quadrant. Then you have self-employed people, and then you have investors. Do you know that only 5% of the population invests? But we only taught one way, which is working linear, trading our time for dollars, right? And the wealthy know this secret, which I'm sharing, is you leverage. You see, you leverage your time, right? The, the person who owns your money will always work harder for you than you can ever work for your money, right? But we're not taught that in school, and then we're purposely not taught that in school because they don't want you to know those secrets, right? Your money will always work harder for you than you could ever work for your money, right? Going back to this, the thing you say about saving, right now, a lot of us don't even know what the, what the inflation rate is right now, right? The inflation rate is on anywhere between 2 and 3%. So that means if you're saving money under the old system of, you know, save, go to a job and save money, if you're not in an investment vehicle where you're outperforming inflation by 2 to 3%, that means the banks that are giving you whatever they're giving you uh, for your interest, which is what, 0.001%? Just disrespect. Or if you're lucky. You know, you lock it into a CD account, which is a certificate of deposit account for six months or even a year. And they say, okay, we'll give you 1%, right? 1% interest. What is the inflation rate? Two to three. So that means if you're saving money right now, are you gaining money or are you losing money by saving? And anybody don't know, the dollar right now is falling, right? So you have to have yourself in seven to 10 different income streams, right, that are outperforming inflation. And those are assets. An asset is something that will make money for you, whether you work for it or not, right? A liability is something that will take money from you, whether you work for it or not. And we have to learn how, you know, John Paul Getty, who owned Getty Gas Station, said, I'd rather have 1% of 100 people's efforts than to have 100% of my own effort. See, this is where a lot of us got, didn't know this secret because we do 100%, right? Which means that if I work a job, that means if I lose my job, I lose 100% of my income if I get sick or I get hurt or I lose that job. But you see, if I have diversified where I had money in this, money in that where it's out, you know, things like stock market, Bitcoin, uh, Forex. I mean, all these things that gold, you know, um, real estate, things that are assets, you know, that will, are making money, guess what? If I lose my job or lose one source of income, guess what's not gonna affect me? And a lot of people right now, because this pandemic, 
with all the people losing, a lot of people lost jobs, and I'm sorry for anybody who's been through a loss right now, because I've been through a loss. I lost my job in 2013. I know what that feels like. You know, it feels like you gave your life to a company that probably didn't even appreciate you because I went to job early. I went to the job early. I left home late. I did more than what I'm supposed to get paid to do. But guess what? You know, the job said, unfortunately, David, we no longer need your services. And I remember like, wow, just like that, just like that, 100% of my income just went. And I said, from that day on, I'll never put myself in a position where I will let a job determine how much money I'll make and also, you know, um, my financial freedom. You know, I said from that day on, I'm going to bet on myself. But it takes faith to do that. And Martin Luther King said the first step, right, is faith, right? <laughs> you got to take faith. The first step is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. So, you know, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody, but everybody can do it. It's, it's a mindset and you got to put in the work and the grind and trust me the, the rewards are there if you put in the work the same work ethic that you can give to a job 40 hours a week right you can work for yourself and put that same energy in and guess what you keep all the benefits yourself but you know a lot of people don't think this way and i know it's hard for people to go away from that job until because of safety because i know when i went to to, to get into real estate, to become a licensed real estate um, salesperson. A lot of my friends and family said, you're crazy to go into a real estate commission-based job where there's no benefits and you don't know when your next check is coming and uh, you know, you're know you gonna go from a safe, secure job with the Board of Education. What, you're crazy. Why would you do that? You know. But now those same people are saying, David, uh, how do I, you know, do what you're doing now. Right? Let me now, let me hold $20. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I try to tell people, you know, but some people listen, some people don't. But I hope by hearing this podcast that you you have the cable. Because right now, as we can see, our society, jobs are not going to be promised for everybody, right? So you can create your own job. Why don't you be the CEO of your own company? Because either you're doing the leveraging or somebody's leveraging you. Ooh. That's point blank, right? So what side of the equation do you want to be on? I think everybody has the same answer. Um, and uh, we're not always going to live that answer. Um, so basically what I'm hearing you saying is one of the ways historically that people have been able to gain and retain um, significant wealth is through real estate and, and businesses. I, not to cut you off, mm -hmm. the tax codes are meant for business owners and investors. I will never forget reading Forbes magazine one day and I saw an article about Warren Buffett, who was one of the wealthiest people on the planet, right? And he said he pays less percentage in taxes, right? Then his secretary, who he hires, who's a W-2 wage earner, right? She pays more in taxes than Warren Buffett, who's a billionaire. Just look at what happened with Jeff Bezos and Amazon, right? Because he invests in empowerment zones and he creates jobs, even though he has made more money during the pandemic, right? Because Amazon is taking through over, right? He pays zero 
dollars in taxes. And he's a billionaire, guys, because the tax codes were not meant for W-2 workers. They were meant for business owners and investors. And if you don't have business owners, I mean, a business, even if having a part-time business, something's, you know, call a man that she can set you up with a, a corporation, an LLC, something to start, you know, because you got, if you don't do it now, when? Okay, you know? so let me just reiterate this really quickly. Um, the way taxation is set up mm -hmm. in this country, speaking about the United States, the way taxation is set up, the people who benefit the most, can you say it again, David? Are business owners and investors. I can tell you, because my business wasn't shut, was shut down because of the pandemic, but because I was a business owner and I have an EIN number, which is like having, in a way people understand, it's like having another social security number right. that is not attached to you, right? I was able to get a PPP loan. I was able to get an EIL loan, right? I was able to benefit off of all these things that business owners benefits from. But if I was an employee, I couldn't get a PPP loan. I couldn't get an EIDL loan. And just to let you know, I was able to get $104,000 at 1% interest. Mm. I mean, and then the PPP loan, they gave me almost $20,000 where 75% of it is going to be written off. Yes. I, mean, I mean, if I was not a business owner, I wouldn't be able to get these things. Let me hold, let me hold $20, David. <laughs> so um, I want to, I would like to ask Amanda that same question. Um, what is another way that, you know, the average person who's working a nine to five um, doesn't realize that, you know, this is the hack or a secret. Um, it's not a secret. It's just who you know and who you're willing to talk to and who's willing to talk to you. You know, information is out there. But what is another way that people don't realize that, you know, if I go this route, this is the road to wealth? So David kind of touched on it already. Um, but it's kind of, it's a secret, but it's, a, it's an open secret, right? It's out there, but people aren't necessarily going the extra mile to make sure that they're doing it. And also just as a, a disclaimer, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a nine to five. No. We're, we are definitely proponents of encouraging entrepreneurship, but we also, me personally, I understand the benefits of having stable income because <laughs> yes. we're here and, you know, luckily we're living in this age of the entrepreneur. It really is the time of the entrepreneur. Everybody's starting a business. If it's a boutique, if it's a hair salon, if it's a, a barber shop, uh, you know, a real estate uh, brokerage, everybody is starting a business um, these days. However, um, I've noticed that people aren't taking the extra steps of protecting their businesses. Um, people are setting up LLCs via LegalZoom. Um, so <laughs> okay. So, so for the people who are listening and they're not watching and you, you just missed what happened, let me just... <laughs> <laughs> it's because so I have so many clients that come to me after, um, you know, people take shortcuts and they don't um, necessarily always want to invest in getting qualified um, services, whether it's, you know, your accountant, they're like, oh, I know this guy and I know, you know, this person up the street. You need to hire. Yes. Licensed professionals to do your professional work. I'm not a mechanic. 
<laughs> I don't fix cars. I don't try. <laughs> but I find that a lot of people try to cut corners where it comes to legal services. So I have clients who come to me after going to LegalZoom who are not lawyers, and they will tell you that there's a disclaimer on their website. They are not lawyers. Um, but they come to me and they say, oh, um, I still have to do my publication and I'm lost. That should never happen, right? You need to make sure that you're hiring an attorney um, to take care of the full process. And why do you want to make sure that if you are establishing an LLC, that you're publishing the LLC? So like David mentioned, in order for you to be eligible for a lot of the grants that are coming around and you are actually claiming, hey, I have a business, I'm in, I, I would like to receive some of the benefits from you know, the COVID pandemic, you have to actually publish your business. People are seeking proof that you have a registered business. In order for you to qualify as a certified MWBE, you have to publish your business. So people are not taking the extra steps to make sure that they are actually reaping the benefits of having a business. Um, so on the what, side, okay, I'll let you go. No, 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 no. I want to hear the other side too. Oh, okay, sure. So on the other side, on the other side, once we have these businesses, people, um, I noticed, I actually um, reached out to someone the other day, um, who's a friend, I follow her brand, um, and I said, hey, like she's, the brand is growing, is growing, it's visible, it's blowing up. And I asked her, I said, have you trademarked this? Mm. She said, no, I haven't. She mentioned that she also had some bad blood with somebody else who was a part of the business before. And hadn't actually taken the step to register the business, register the trademark for the business. That's a major, major no-no. Because what you're doing is you're leaving yourself vulnerable for, one, another business to come in and start doing the business, register before you, and then have more rights than you because they now have the registered trademark. But also, you're leaving um, your business exposed to the fact that there may be, without you actually even taking the step of starting a trademark, because everything starts with a search. You don't even do a trademark search on whatever you're using. You could be building a brand that you obviously don't own, that somebody else owns, and once they catch you, they're going to tell you to stop. And just to piggyback off of what Amanda said, how important it is to have an attorney like an Amanda on your team, because, you know, in this country, it's easy to obtain, but it's so hard to maintain, right? Especially when you acquire wealth. And I can speak firsthand because when my mom passed away, uh, she didn't have a valid will, right? And all, all of those properties, you know, were meant for her children, but because she didn't have a valid will in place, Guess what? Uh, my stepfather, who provided zero dollars, right? He was able to get half of the estate just because he was married to her, right? But because if my mom had a trust, you know, or something like that in place, but you know, this is her first time acquiring wealth. So this is why I say the reason why we perish in life is a lack of knowledge. We need to have things in place as well whether it be a trust, I, I'm more of a proponent of a trust and a will because uh -huh. a trust, you don't have to go through probate court uh -huh. or anything like that. So you want to make sure your business is protected, your real estate is protected, your investments are protected. And I even noticed even Warren Buffett, who makes a lot of his money, he insures a lot of it. I did not know that. He insures his money. Right? Just like how we insure our cars or in our home, he insures his wealth. I'm like, wow. 
you know? So they understand, like you said, the, the cheat codes and the cheat sheets. I mean, this game is really, you know, you got to understand wealth and having how to protect it because Absolutely. somebody could just walk and slip and fall on your property. And if you don't have it in the LL, if you have it in your private name uh -huh. and somebody falls and now they want to do a lawsuit, you know, now it affects you, you know? So all of these things about protection, having an attorney on your team is, is vital. And the CPA and all these other things are vital. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a, a question for you, Amanda. Um, so when we, um, I remember watching um, these hearings that involved our current president. Um, <laughs> and one thing that I learned when, when I observe anything, whether it's a movie, TV show or whatever, I'm learning the weirdest things that that's not even the point. Um, but I'm like, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm learning this too. Um, one thing that I picked up is a lot of things that this guy um, was involved in were not attached to him at all because his team, his attorney, CPA, whoever, yep. formed multiple LLCs. Yep. And there are certain criminal activities that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult to attach those things to him. Like, we know you know, it's you, but it's very difficult to attach it on paper because you know how it works in court. If you can't prove it, then it's not there. Um, and he just, yeah, it's me, but can you prove it? Because these criminal activities were attached to these LLCs. Mm -hmm. What's the reason other than criminal activities? Um, what's the reason why people, or would you recommend that people just create formations for different things um whether it's business personal or whatever because you know purchasing a building whether it's real estate um or or whether it's a, a residential uh, building or whether it's a commercial building people will separate these things from themselves by going through these um legal formations why do people do that so just as a disclaimer before I answer you, <laughs> people may do that for a lot of reasons. Um, but I want to just make clear, and I'll say this and I'll, you know, because <laughs> I know we have listeners and I know we have people who are visually watching. Me appearing here on this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship. <laughs> this is not legal advice. Um, however, um, what I'll say is the reason why um, that's really best is because an LLC really does garner you protection um, against personal liability. You want to be sure that as you're setting up your business that you're keeping your personal income and your business income really separate so that you can um, demonstrate that you really are a separate person from the business entity. Um, but it really is the best way to make sure that if somebody comes after you um, as the business owner, they're not coming after your personal assets. People put their homes in LLCs. People put um, people put their trademarks in LLCs. Actually, you want to put all of your assets in LLCs because you know it's it's difficult, especially once you are following the proper um, business uh, structure and corporate formalities that they're, it's really difficult for them to really be able to access it. 
Well, and let's... once again, uh-huh. I said earlier before, America is built, the tax system is right. built on corporations, businesses, and investments, right? Mm-hmm. So all Donald Trump was doing is taking advantage of what is already built into the actual corporation and tax system loopholes, right? Where they build shell companies. You know, the fact that when he created Atlantic City, you know, the Taj Mahal, and he built it, he spent so much money, but then he didn't have the money to fund it. But guess what? It was funded under his LLs, I mean, his corporation. And then when the contractors did all the work, guess what he did? He filed bankruptcy, right? And those contractors couldn't get paid, you know? And it was legal. Legal robbery. That is crazy. It's you basically know, like, saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm having hardships. I can no longer pay. That's yep. what that is in layman's terms. And guess what? It's not affecting his, his um, social security number. It only affects his business. So that business just dissolves. And guess what you can do? Create another one and do the same exact thing. Right? And it's legal here in America, which is the crazy thing. You know, um, I didn't make it. I'm just saying this is the... But I'm learning that that's how, and I don't want to be a proponent of, you know, using fake businesses or things like that to, you know, to do shady things and um, take advantage of people. But, you know, you look at companies like Enron, um, I mean, the list goes on. Even when it came down to 50 Cent and the mother of his child, where when um, 50 Cent, his, his real name is Curtis Jackson. So the mother of his child sued him for, I guess, I don't know if it was child support or something like that, but when she sued, she sued Curtis, Curtis Jackson. Jackson, right? But guess what? We all know Curtis Jackson is 50 Cent, and 50 Cent is a corporation. It's a, it's a trademark name corporation. So guess where 50 Cent put all his money in? 50 Cent, 50 cent Corporation, <laughs> not Curtis Jackson. Curtis Jackson is broke. Just like right now, David Humane, I'm broke on paper. But my company, that's a whole, I'm not going to name the company because they go crafted, right? It's a different story. You understand? But this is unfortunately how the system works here in America. And that's why I said, you know, you got to create these businesses and um, investments so that you can have these tax shelters and, um, and protect yourself from liability as well. You know, but it shouldn't be meant to use to to actually take advantage of people either, you know, and that's where the game can get a little ugly, you know, and that part I'm not a proponent of. And and I think that's precisely why there is this gap between uh, the 95% of people that you mentioned earlier who, mm-hmm. you know, um, get up work work every day. You, you just want to be honest, you know, you want to uh-huh. be a law abiding citizen. But um, then you have these other guys who know these loopholes and they do become um, not just wealthy, like supremely wealthy. And it creates that really large gap. And it's not because they're saving money. It's not because they're simply buying stocks. Uh, it's like uh, David is saying, th- those the taxation um, aspect of it. And leverage. Is, and, and, and leverage too. So I remember when 50 Cent, uh, I guess Curtis Jackson, um, he filed 
for bankruptcy, bankruptcy and i was like yeah. i was like okay guys if y'all fall for this okie doke that's cool <laughs> yeah. but the 95 percent of the people they have no idea what's going on you know the mm -hmm. other guys they're like yeah son that's what you do you know this group of people they know uh the procedure they know protocol when you're met with certain challenges this is what we but do we write it off that's really because they take the time to invest in hiring the right professionals, right? Your lawyer, your business lawyer and your accountant are going to let you know what's yeah. best for your business. Um, when you set up an LLC, people think that it kind of just stops there. But at that point, you get to determine how you want to be taxed as your business, right? What requirements do you want to actually follow? What formalities are best for your business and what's most advantageous? People have to take the time to actually hire those people. And the 5%, that's what they do. All day. So what advice would you give to the people who, um, and I had this conversation with an old, uh, my family's old CPA. Mm -hmm. You know, a person, let's say scenario person starts a business, whatever that business is, and um, they're barely making any money, you know, and they don't have enough personal funds and then the business is also not making enough money to fund um to um fund be profitable. to be profitable and to retain an attorney to retain a cpa how am i paying um these people when I don't really have any money and I need to get by. What type of advice do you have for people who are in that dilemma? And obviously we need these um, safeguards in place, but we simply can't afford it. What kind of I advice? I take that question real well, quick. I, wanna, I think it's a legal question, so I'm going to take it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my advice really would be, um, I watched this video the other day um, from a, I think he's a marketing professional. I think his name is Madi uh, Woodard. And he talks through all of the things people need to think about before they start a business, right? And at the top of the list is assessing your finances for starting whatever the business is. It's best to start your business before things are absolutely perfect. Don't miss out on opportunities because you're waiting to set things up perfectly. But if you are struggling to pay your rent, if you are struggling to put groceries in your house, if you're struggling to buy basic necessities, maybe that's not the time to start your business. Yes, you want to get ahead and yes, you want to put yourself in a better position, but you may have to save up a little bit before you're able to do so. Um, because unfortunately, unlike criminal services and even some housing services, Business legal services, trademark legal services are not pro bono. Um, accountants don't work pro bono. You'll have to pay to um, retain these professionals because obviously we want to compensate people for their time and their expertise. Um, but before you even start your business, you need to look at your income, your personal finances, and say, am I prepared for this? That's the best way to put your business in the position to thrive. Um, and I would say two things, right? From the real estate perspective, you know, a lot of us don't understand the importance of ownership because I see the reason why a lot of small businesses fail is not because the business isn't actually a, a good, profitable business. It's actually because they don't own the building. And, they, and right now in New York, I can speak on New York, the rents are always climbing astronomically, but guess what? 
that's now eating into their profit margin, which now puts that business that was doing well that can pay those employees. But because now the rent has gone up, the property taxes have gone up, now they cannot actually function as a business. That's the number one reason why I see a lot of businesses fail because they don't take that into account. And then the second thing is you never want to be emotionally attached to a business. Businesses were meant to be bought and sold, right? You're not supposed to be attached to a baby. I know it's your baby. It might be your first business. And you're like, you know what? I started it X amount of years ago, just like a house. Houses were meant to be bought and sold, right? But people don't want to sell them because they're emotionally attached to it. You're not supposed to be emotionally attached to a business. So I think I actually disagree. So I think that you absolutely, I had a consult with a client yesterday and she was like, thank you so much. You brought me so much comfort. This is my baby. I think we cannot underestimate what we are providing to people. I definitely realize and I, I walk in that, that I am helping my clients fulfill their dreams. Like these are their babies. These are ideas that they've had in their minds for years and years and years. And they finally decided to step out on faith and realize them. You can definitely be attached to that. And I completely understand that's an emotional experience. And it really is for me because as I help business owners build their businesses, it's my business. That's my business. And it's emotional and amazing for me. So it completely makes sense for people to be attached to it. And you don't have to sell your business just because, you know, that's going to be something that may make you more money down the line. It's something that you have to really consider um, if that's best for you or if it means more for you to hold on to it. Yeah, I I definitely um, agree with that um, because, you know, it's okay to be emotional, but you don't want to be emotional to your detriment. Mm-hmm. You know, to the point where you're on this sinking ship and <laughs> you just yep. go, you just go under with it and you're just yep. holding on to your baby, but now you're both dead. Yeah. Uh, Don't die. Real estate, you know. Don't die. <laughs> Don't die, but definitely strike a, strike a balance, everything. And sure. people will learn as they are building businesses. You do have to strike a balance, but the heart, making sure your heart is in it and that you're passionate about it is more important than saying, all right, what can I start to just make a couple of dollars? That's not what business is really about. You got to love it first because it's not going to make money on day one. You have to put the time and the energy and really put your heart into it to reap the benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have a quick question for, um, I guess you both can answer um, if you have an input. So um, I think, I, I I think we may all agree that owning a business is not for everyone. So there's some people who, who just are, are not into it. It's not, it's not their thing. It's not um, something that they see themselves doing. Maybe they don't have the ideas, but um, what do you say to the people who don't necessarily want to own a business, but they want to still uh, benefit and, and receive wealth and, and make their money work for Great them. Question. I know you mentioned before about investing. You said that the two parts, investing and business owners, do you think that's one of the ways that the average person who doesn't want to own a business or has no Great question, you know, partnerships, mm. I have partnerships in businesses that I don't own, but I invest in those businesses. Like I invested in a video game company. I don't run the video game company. I just know that it makes money. And I know that people are playing the games. I, I basically put my $10,000 in and basically I know that that is going to come back a hundredfold, you understand? It's like venture capitalism where 
you can partner with people. You don't have to, you can be a silent partner. You don't have to be the person running. And that's the part about leverage that I'm talking about, where you can let your money work for you, where you can work with somebody, uh, even in real estate. You don't have to do the whole consumer, but you guess what? You can maybe partner with somebody in a real estate who you know is an investor, but make sure you trust them because you got to do business with people you know, like, and trust and vet them out because, you know, make not everybody. Make sure those contracts are clear. <laughs> contracts. <laughs> you know? And you know what? I'm glad. Oh, see, that's why we have an attorney. Don't that is why. Contract. Those are real. <laughs> no, she is so, I thank you, Amanda. That's the reason why we have an attorney because, you know what? We get involved in business. Every business that I invest in, as Amanda say, I have a written contract. Right. So that there's no, um, you know, misunderstandings. There's no unexplained expectations. Everything is ready. This is what you're going to get. This is what's going to happen. You know, I'm a, I don't know, 20% owner, whatever the case may be. It's all written. I'm glad, man. That's why you got to have an attorney on your team to make sure when you do those things, you can invest in other things and just have that contract. Mm. I love that. I, I think that's very important. And um, I want to touch on uh, the mindset. You know, there are very specific ingredients that are conducive to the mindset of uh, a person who can actually attain wealth. Not everybody's going to do it because the way you're thinking and your thought process might be blocking mm -hmm. you. And there's something that I've noticed with multiple people um, over the years. And I find myself doing it once in a while as well. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this, guys. Um, so I made a purchase from someone who I know. If I need to make a purchase, I always go to a friend of mine and I purchase from them first, unless it's something that I absolutely have to go somewhere else and get it. So I'm, I'm purchasing this item from a friend and she says to me, I have to send you an invoice. Um, I have to send you an invoice. I'm so sorry that, you know, this process is the way it is, but um, I, I need to make some I need to make a record of the sales. And I'm like, girl, I get it. You know, I sell things too. Um, and it makes me feel, I might be wrong. I'm making an assumption here. It makes me feel like certain people who operate that way, they have this mindset where they're apologizing for doing things the right way. And they're apologizing for protecting themselves. And like I said, once in a while, I do jump down that, that, um, lane and I do the same thing, but I'm conscious of the fact that this is important. Yes, we are friends, but I have to give you a contract. Yep. Yes, you're my mother, but I need you to <laughs> put your name on this yep. thing because, uh, you know, and it's crazy, but let me just say the reason why I say that I do go down that lane at times, I've jumped into things with, I'm not going to name anybody, but you're listening you know who you are but i've jumped we all been there <laughs> i've jumped the only one i'm guilty too <laughs> uh with people who um i just have these feelings for and i feel like okay this this is that person you know i i don't even know how to and this is my elder like i don't even know how to approach them with this thing and then this caribbean community and the the the, the backlash and the, the aggressiveness that might come from it and i'm like yeah let's just do it and then next thing you know Where's my money? <laughs> you know what I call that? The payback diseases. It's where's, interesting. Where's my money? You know, you know, it's funny when you say that. I call it the payback diseases, right? It's interesting. When everybody borrows money from you, right, 
and you don't do the contract or whatever, right? So they say, yeah, today is, let's say, today's what? What's today? Wednesday, I think. I don't even know. Uh, today. Wednesday, yeah. Right? Wednesday. Oh, I'll pay you back next week, Wednesday, right? So they, their phone worked today. The, the, the um, text messages went through today. The email worked today. The car worked today, right? They said, I'll come even pick it up from you, you know? Uh, the train and the buses worked that day when they needed to borrow the money. But then when it comes to paying you back, no, right? Really Next not. Wednesday comes, you know, that same phone that they called you on to borrow the money. Oh, it goes straight to voicemail. The same text messages that work the time they need it. It doesn't work. Also, I don't get your text. Come on. You don't get text <laughs> messages, right? And then the emails don't work. The car don't work. Look, the car's in the shop that day. The buses and trains don't work that day. I'm like, wow, man. The it payback is easy. Make sense for you to want to trust somebody that you know you've known for some time that you want to enter into business with you know that otherwise they have good uh character they have good morals but the number one reason why the courts are flooded <laughs> is because there's a dispute between something there's some yeah. type of misunderstanding where somebody thought it was this and it yep. turns out it was this, right? Yep. So they told you next Wednesday, but they really meant next Wednesday in London. They meant, <laughs> you know? Well, they they meant next they Wednesday never. Time zone when it's time to return your money, right? Like people are, you know, unreliable sometimes and to protect yourself and really to protect that relationship. Yeah. If you want to be able to go on and trust this person and not fall out, Make it clear. Make sure that there is a contract. And I um, I touched on this already, but I know that, you know, we live in this digital age and it's amazing. You can Google almost anything. But what I find a lot of people are doing, people, people come to me and say, oh, Amanda, I Googled this contract. Can you reveal it for me? That's not a contract. I didn't, I didn't write that. That, that, that didn't come from a lawyer. What are we reviewing, right? This is a standard template that somebody created that has some terms in there, but how do you know what those terms mean? How do you know that those terms are favorable to you? And do they actually reflect what your current situation is? You need to make sure that you're going to an attorney and drafting a contract before you enter into any partnership, before any money exchange is hand, before you say, oh, no, that's my man. That's my homegirl. That's the mm. No. <laughs> I gonna end up doing is spending way more money in litigation when absolutely things that's exactly what I was about to say that you end up you know having to pay a lawyer anyway sure. um, and lose the relationship and, and lose, lose the relationship and you lost the money so that's some money yeah <laughs> well <laughs> listen to this I, I got into um, I want to touch on mindset but let me mention something really quickly I got into this situation where a good friend of mine she um, presented a, an amazing opportunity to me. And I was like, this is godsend. This is exactly what I want to do. And we're on the phone, like we're connected. This is the universe just working with us. And uh, she got into it. She's happy. She's comfortable. Um, a slew of women got into it. They're all happy and comfortable. I get this contract and I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying yes, we're all on this Zoom meeting and all of these women signed this contract, all. And I'm Without reading it. I don't know what they did Without with it. Without reading it. I, I, you know how many contracts are doing leases and they don't read the lease? 90% of the oh, contracts no, read that's, Nobody reads, reads a lease, but hmm. all of these women, <laughs> I'm talking Especially about... 
especially, sorry to um, cut you off, but leases, especially, residential leases are standard, but you really still want to make sure that you're protected in the commercial leases in COVID times. Mm-hmm. If y'all not reading commercial leases, I'm going to tell y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> we're we're going to have a conversation behind the scene about um, commercial lease dilemma that I found myself in. But okay. <laughs> we, it's a group of 40 women and 39 of them signed this contract and they're happy and they're in bliss and they're moving forward with this thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm going to hire an attorney. Mm. Now, I hire an attorney. And when they review this contract, um, 60 days later, I am dissolving my relationship with these people because the contract one, it made absolutely no sense because I look at it like, how can you give 40 different people one contract for 40 different agreements? Scenario. We're, we're wow. not all doing the same thing. You all have different interests. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, when I got on the phone with the attorney, I said, uh, she said, okay, why do you feel like you need an attorney for this? And I said, because I want to know if there's anything else that I can be getting that I'm not asking for, that I'm not even aware I can be getting. Mm -hmm. And she said, not only are you not getting anything, but this makes absolutely no sense. And before you know it, I I'm now discovering that this person is a fraud. She is a minister. She is in the church. Um, thousands of women follow her. Everybody knows her. And I was they don't know exactly. And I was about to uproot myself from New York, go all the way to Texas to do this amazing thing. Um, and I, I'm looking at it now, like I would have been in Texas just crying, you know, mm. and, and probably trying to hurt somebody. <laughs> but um, a different type of lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> For real, right? But um, one, one thing that um, I think is really important to mention is, yes, everybody want to be wealthy. Everybody wants to just get this money and go into business and invest and do all of these different things. But uh, a few of us, we jump in and we fail. And it's because of the way we think. It's because of, the, mm-hmm. of our mindsets. And um, David, I want you to, you know. I'm glad you mentioned failure because this is me right here. Look, I can tell you right now, failure just the acronym alone is first attempt in learning, right? Ooh, bars. First attempt in learning. Failure is a part of success. And a lot of CEOs and a lot of business owners don't want to tell you about the failing aspect. I started my first business back in 2012, and I tried to do a restaurant. I didn't know anything about a restaurant. All I know was that it was a seafood restaurant in Manhattan, and they offered this amazing opportunity similar to what you got. Now I'm thinking, wow, okay, they got the liquor license, they got the nice, uh, you know, scenery. It was a nice, um, what do they call that? Uh, with the walking, I forgot it. Uh, what do you call it? Walking, walking traffic or traffic, right? And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I did not realize because I didn't look at the numbers. Men lie, women lie, but guess who never lies? Numbers don't lie. don't lie, and them contracts don't lie. I didn't, like you, I was emotional about the decision, right? And found out that the, the owners were in debt. I was, I was their bailout package. The business was about to close. I lost $300,000, right? If I only knew better, right? But that experience 
taught me now, not, you know, people are going to pitch you ideas and, and businesses and things like that, but you got to look at the numbers, right? Look at the, have an attorney, look, review the contracts, have the, your CP, look at, look at these things because you don't want to make business. You're not supposed to make, uh, but they say emotional decisions in business. You understand? And that's where a lot of us get, I guess, make mistakes and I'm included, right? We make emotional decisions versus look, making it a business decision. When you're looking at a house, right? It doesn't matter what the house looks like. All, in the, all, the, all the investor cares about is how much can I get it for? How much can I sell it for? And the numbers, they don't care what it looks like. They just care about the numbers. But you know what most homeowners who are not investors, what they look at is, well, let me see how pretty the house looks. Let me see, the, you know, they're looking at all the things that an investor doesn't even care about. Right. You understand? Oh, so, my friends' clothes will fit great in here. Their dresser, their, they can picture, like, their lives in there. That's yeah, I'm, and my kitchen will have an island. Right. Oh, I yeah. want an island. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, can we touch on mindset really quickly in oh. terms of wealth? Because um, really the way you think about yourself, the way you see yourself, the way you see your environment, it really um, dictates what you think your potential is and what you can actually pull off. And I think that's what causes us to fail because we jump in and we're like, oop, see, that's not going right. I'm done. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I tell my clients kind of all the time, I don't want you to think small, think bigger. And I think that's the reason why a lot of um, new entrepreneurs, they start their businesses and they don't take the step to protect it. They don't hire the right professionals. They don't do what they need to do to dot all their I's and cross all their T's because they're thinking, oh, this is just my little side hustle. This is just something I'm going to do to make a couple of dollars. But your mindset really needs to be I am a business owner. I am growing a business. I am establishing something for myself and my family and my legacy, and I am building generational wealth. So what do I need to do to make that happen? Not, oh, I hope I can make $1,000 so that I can make sure I get my kids these Christmas gifts at the end of the year. No, think bigger. That's what I want people to think about. You know, it reminds me of a quote, you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. You know, <laughs> You know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people think this quote king start a business and I'm gonna be a millionaire tomorrow. You know, it doesn't work that way. If it was like that, if it was that easy, if I could start a business today and then I'll be a millionaire tomorrow, how many people do it, right? But they don't want to put in the work. It took seven years, you know, for me to get to where I'm at right now, right? Seven years. Most people weren't willing, especially in those beginning years, year one and year two. I mean, those are the hardest years, right? In business for most business owners. But if you stick with it, you know, you, and, the, and it's a mindset. I'm going to tell you, the biggest thing is, you know, you, who you hang on and surround yourself Yo. with. Let me tell you, what changed me was I had to give up some of my childhood friends, right? Because they think based on the environment of where they were, where I came from the East Flatbush and growing up on the block. And, you know, look, that's cool, but I'm not there anymore. Right. I'm thinking bigger. Right. And I had to realize that they are only going to stay in this environment and that's all they're going to do. Right. So I had to learn now to be around people who are different than me, who, who make more money than me, who are smarter than me. And even if you're not around those type of people, guess what? You can be around books, 
like Think and Grow Rich and reading the Jim Romes and mm. um, the Robert Kiyosaki's that open. Yeah, I'm telling you, when I read Robert Kiyosaki, it opened my eyes to a whole new world. I said, oh my gosh, right? And I started reading about, you know, wealth and how most people who attain wealth, they were, first they failed, right? Failure is a part of success as well. So don't think it's failure is a bad thing. It's a lesson that's learned. I learned my lesson. I paid my dues. You understand? I'm still paying my dues, right? Even in this pandemic, people are learning their lesson now. If you don't learn your lesson now, after this pandemic, after people losing jobs, and I don't know what else more to tell you, than, <laughs> you know, because I don't know what else to say. You know? There's a song. There's a song that goes, "If you don't know me by now," it, that's what's in my head. Like, if you don't learn you're it by now, gonna you're never gonna learn it. Because, <laughs> man, if this is not a wake, a wake up, up call, sure. If, if you're not getting your ass kicked, whether you're successful yeah. or not, there's something happening to you that's impactful. Uh-huh. And uh, if if that doesn't jolt you into a different mind space, and you know what I love that you said. Thank you for saying that if you are not able to be around the people who can take you there, you have books. Thank you so much for saying that because, yes, I am a a little girl or a little boy in the ghetto of whatever uh, inner city. And this is all I know. Where in the world am I going to go and find this mentor, which, by the way, I recommend always have a mentor. If you can find a mentor, do it. the the most successful people even the president has advisors you know what i mean mm-hmm. but if you're not able to uh get in touch with those people go to the library go audio books audio books man i mean even to, you have to constantly renew your mind and you know because the old you will start to want to take over because you, you know oh i'm black i can't be successful oh um, you know, I come from the hood. Oh, I have every quote unquote statistic, but I was able to overcome those quote unquote statistics. Right. So you, even me, I still have to renew my mind and I have to have a life coach, a mentor, a therapist, um, the right people like Amanda, the a lawyer. These are my friends now. You understand? Attorney, <laughs> my CPA. Um, uh, who else? My mentor. Uh, Amanda. Amanda's you know, about to be my friend too, David. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but this is what I'm trying to say. You got to be around people who are smarter than you, who make more money, because that's the only way you're going to learn, right? Because I don't know everything, right? But I hang around the smart people who who know. Uh, well, if I don't know credit, I'm around people who know credit. Right, how to leverage your credit. If I'm if I don't know finances, I'm around people who know finances. If I'm a, if I want to invest, I'm around investors. You know, you got to surround yourself in those with those people. You know, it's funny you have people. I don't know. It's interesting. There was I saw a joke or a quote where there's like you know people want to give you relationship advice, but they're not in a relationship. Right? People want to give you parenting advice, but they're not parents. People want to tell you about buying a house, but they never bought a house. Right. People want to tell you about buying a car. If you never bought a car, who would you want to listen to from somebody who's actually been through the process? And that's the person you want to learn from, you know. And can I just um, also add on affirmations? Affirmations help me. So also, like, what are you telling yourself about yourself? Right. 
When I decided I wanted to uh, start my business, I was all about <laughs> affirmations. When I, you know, was ready to take the bar, finish the bar, I put up, that's actually how I started the t-shirt business. I put up a picture in my um, apartment at the time, mm-hmm. locked in my apartment, studying for the bar exam, but the picture said, I will pass the bar. That that's is cool. how the yep. t-shirt line started because i told myself i was not failing this bar exam sure. <laughs> i was going to pass the bar so you have to really tell yourself what you want to accomplish uh-huh. for your business and how you see your life being elevated that's really important also the people around you you don't want any naysayers around you you don't want people people what i realized as i grow my business as i you know step into entrepreneurship and continue to um elevate my life people will tell you things Really, not because they're negative and they don't like you and they don't think you're capable, but it's really a projection of how they view themselves. Yes. Right? Mm. It has nothing to do with you. Anything somebody tells you that you don't like and you don't think is um, is aligned with how you view yourself and your business and your future goals has nothing to do with you. It's really how limited they see themselves so you can choose to dismiss them from your life i mean i know some people you know you'll you'll be sometimes you'll be throwing everybody out if you think that (laughs) way (laughs) sure you can also just tune out the noise and know that that person is speaking from their own um perspective and their own experiences i love that i love that um i i see that you have something on your wall right now oh Um, yeah yeah so So i already Gratitude. Yep. Grateful. So it says start every day with a grateful heart. A grateful heart. Absolutely. And I do believe that um, if you love what you have, you can get more. But if you absolutely hate, I hate having a hundred dollars. So, you know, if I have a hundred dollars, it's, it's, I can go outside right now and blow it. And it's more of, it's not that a hundred dollars is easy to spend. It's that you're, it's hard for you to keep money (laughs) in your hand. You know, some of us, we money is made to be spent we get it we understand that but some of us is the impulse and that that lack of that comes back to your relationship from our relationship with money it's deep and that goes back to slavery days our relationship with money and how we view money i remember growing up in uh you know i grew up as a seven-day adventist before i became a sunday worshiper and it's funny i remember they would say the root of money that the uh, what root, root of, of money evil. of all evil, yeah, right? Root of all evil is and you know if you if you go after the after go after money, but I'm learning it's the lack of money is the root of all evil. Ooh. The lack of money is the root of all evil because you know what? When you have money, right? What money does is two things, right? If you're a good person before you had money, you're going to be an even better person. When you have money, if you're an a-hole before you have money, you're going to be a bigger a-hole, right? And with money, what you can do is help people. Like, I can help people. Like, if I, anybody who's struggling, you can bless people. You understand? It's the lack of money. I notice anytime when I'm broke, man, I, I, I can't function. I can't you start. Think. You, you want to go out there and kill somebody bank. and rob somebody. You know, you be walking by that bank every day, like yeah, it's the lack of money, man. Not yes, I agree, too. and this is actually something that I did put on my social media that you know poverty is the root of all evil. If you look at mm-hmm. poverty, is a mindset. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. I love that. Um. There's so many different 
topics that we were not able to get into because everything that we've been talking about has been so juicy. Mm. Um, and, and I love that we delved so deeply into these things. I would definitely love to have you guys on an IG live so we can, especially you, Amanda, sure. um, so that. we can delve into the, the, the law aspect of it. I think, yes, we talk about wealth so much, but we don't talk about the protection. Yep. Um, and, uh, before we go, we have, um, we're, if, if you're paying attention um, to pop culture or otherwise, this is such an interesting story that happened with Nick Cannon um, that I, it, it blew my mind. It was unbelievable to me. And Amanda, I would love it if, you know, you can jump in and explain like what happened with Nick and how could that have happened uh, very differently. So what we've seen over the years is since really 2005, you know, if you look it up, um, that is when he created, he started to uh, work and develop this brand while and out, right? Um, since 2005, we've associated this sketch comedy um, on MTV with Nick Cannon Everyone, you know, you would see the logo, it comes up, you know, you know, you see the guests come up, you're like, oh, who's going to be on it this week? For years. This, 2005 is when he created uh, and started to develop and work on Wild and Out. Mm. We've been watching the show <laughs> all this time. Cut to uh, the recent uh, scandal that he had um, related to the comments that he made. And he was released from Viacom. But no one would ever assume that him being released from Viacom would somehow impact his position with Wild and Out. <laughs> because, of course, Nick Cannon owns Wild and Out, doesn't he? <laughs> That's what we thought. That's yeah. what we thought. And it, it is really mind-boggling. It's really astounding to me because I, I just... I. I don't, I don't understand that. So like I said, um, I mentioned it. I reached out to a friend and said, hey, and I, I'm watching her build this brand. It's a new brand, but I'm watching her build it. And I said to her, hey, you've trademarked this, right? It is mind boggling to me that Nick Cannon had been working on this. It's not a project. It's not a small thing. This is a TV show. This is a production. This is, there's merch. <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> 15 yeah, years. Well over a decade. She sketch comedy. So many, so many other, and you know, obviously Wild and I is not the, cre the, the original uh, sketch comedy. We can go back to Living Color and even before sure. that, right? But, you know, it's the most recently, it is the most prominent one. It's the one with the most longevity that we know of. Mm -hmm. um, and to learn that up until 2019, which is when the trademark was actually uh, applied for and registered. Wow. Right? <laughs> wow. Nick Cannon did not own this brand. And to think that all the time he spent building it, the person, the, the company that actually went and filed and received this registration is Viacom. Viacom owns Wild and Out. That's so what now, you call leverage. That's what you call leverage. Mm. But that's what you call That's what you call fucked. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, not, I can't put I'm it in. I'm gonna use another phrase, I'm sorry, but damn, you know. But you so know now what? We're in litigation. Now we're in litigation, right? So you know, that's so interesting because when I heard that, I didn't believe it. There's, there's to me because this is someone I I look at as an entrepreneur that I admire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not once in a million years would I think that something that basic 
wasn't so, taken care of. Like nobody talked about this. You have all these lawyers. You, you, all of these people are around you. It's it blows my mind to think that you know all of these advisors, all of these people that have been around him, and even him. Nick Cannon is not. You know he's no, he ain't a dumb smart guy. Smart exactly. Guy. He's a smart guy. He's educated. He you know he now has his podcast where he's always talking about you know black issues and issues within our community. You would never think that he didn't have the foresight to make sure that this was protected. And wow. cut to now 2020. This is a billion dollar brand, right? Mm. And now you have to go and fight to assert your rights for a brand that in 2005 had you said, I'm going to take $2,000 and I mean, I don't know what his Hollywood lawyers are talking to him, but my trademark services are around there, right? <laughs> I'm going to take a little uh -huh. bit of money and invest and make sure that this brand that I'm protecting, that I actually own it. Mm. It's crazy that he didn't, but if we have any last gems to offer, make sure if you're building a business that you are taking the time, investing the money to protect it. Because down the line, you never know what your dream is going to become. Exactly. You don't want to end up in a fight. And, sure. and, and we touched on that a little bit where, you know, you said, you know, I'm doing this thing on the side, you know, are you doing something on the side or are you running a business? And even in, in that way, you're downplaying your yep. talents, you're downplaying. And, and again, it goes back to mindset. If this is what you're manifesting, this is what you're going to reach. Treat it like a side hustle. <laughs> it's going to be a side hustle, you know? Exactly. So I think what we're walking away with today, um, I actually had a thousand questions that I did not get to uh, ask you guys we're gonna do we, part two but we got to meet we're we're always going to talk about finance we're always going to um have these conversations because yes i'm an advocate for certain things but in this conversation i'm also learning a lot so the more you talk the more you know gems get dropped on you and you're like wow i thought i had it no i didn't yeah. all right it's, it's good that we're having these conversations so we are going to always have these conversations until we can't talk anymore <laughs> but i think what we're walking away with today is mindset is very very important how yes. do you get the mindset if you don't already have it you either connect with people who have it you get yourself a mentor if you don't have access to actual people or for some reason you're intimidated you're shy whatever the reason is go grab a book you read it at your own pace you you highlight things you make notes and google you can google when when you guys have when you got while you guys were talking i started making notes to kind of backtrack on some of the points that you were making because i wanted you to kind of delve into some of the terms that you were using because i know when i'm listening to things that people are saying if a term or a word pops up that i don't understand and i feel like some people when they don't understand it's just a piece of information that you lose because there's yeah. one word in there that you don't get. Um, and what I like to do is I'm making notes of these words and then I go back and do some research to figure out what does that mean? You know, uh, David mentioned, and th these are notes that I made, FHA mortgage, go look that up, find out what that sure. is. Um, he talked about the uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, Think and mm -hmm. Grow Rich book. Mm -hmm. We'll look those things up. What is a trust? What is a will? What is a probate court? You know what I mean? What's mm -hmm. the difference between a, a trademark and copyright? Why should you? What is an LLC? What's a corporation? Which one is best for you and your business? You have to sure. do your due diligence and go yes. look these things up, do your research yep. and figure it out. Because who's going to do it for you? You, yep. you, don't, you don't have a team yet. Sure. You know, so... Um, 
do this for yourself, get yourself into a space where you can leverage people and you can pull people in to help you out um, and, and get you to where you need to go. So I think that's what we're walking away with today. Sure. Um, you need the mindset. If you don't have it, it's attainable. You can go get it. Yes. There are uh, a few ways of attaining absolute wealth in this country and those ways of course you you too have to go do your research what what are the taxation laws you know and if you don't want to go do that speak with a cpa speak with an attorney you have access to these people we are definitely going to make david and amanda accessible so you guys can sure. contact them if you need uh i'm not you know, putting this on David and Amanda, but if you need to talk to somebody and uh, get these things rolling, hire these people, you have access. You can't say you don't know anymore. They're right here. Sure. And, and that's why I'm presenting them to you. Um, and, and I think, I think that's it for now. You know, everything yeah. that you're dreaming about, they're attainable. You do have access to them. It's just a matter of where you direct your focus. You can either sit there and watch uh, Cardi B all day. Like I'll watch Cardi B for five minutes. Sure. She's entertaining. I, I love her. But then is that really the, the activity? Is that an income building activity? Is mm -hmm. that an activity that's helping me to shift my mindset? Not really. So yeah, let's put a little bit of time into that for entertainment. Sure. Or support if you want to support this person. Sure. But then you can literally go on Instagram and look up a hashtag. Sure. Mortgage brokers or wealth building wealth mindset. Look up these hashtags and see who's posting them and what they're saying. You have access. There really is no excuse. So now that it's here and now that you know you have a responsibility. Absolutely. I think we lost Amanda, um, but we will have her back in some form. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and and that's what happens with technology, right? You welcome back. Sorry, you guys, my connection dropped. It's all good. I Perfect timing. We're wrapping yeah, up, giving was, you the outro. I was literally in the middle of thanking you. Um, I know, for, I'm sorry. For okay. not only showing up with, um, not only showing up with a, a, a big bag of um, wealth, and to, I call wealth, I call information wealth. I yeah, it is. As well. It really so is. So not only showing up with that, but for um, giving the people something amazing to look at. You are gorgeous. Thank you for doing that. You're giving the the podcast some spice. And let me say that really quickly because I was thinking about it earlier. I, there are certain, like David said something earlier where he was saying, you know, this is what people are doing. And you were like this, like, and I love that. I'm like, see, this is why I love dealing with, with black women because guess what? We know exactly what, what this woman is thinking. We know how mm -hmm. what she's feeling. She's not suppressing it. She's expressing it and it's spicy. Mm -hmm. I love it, girl. David, thank you so much for uh, this truckload of wealth that you um, gave uh, to us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you God so much. God gave me this knowledge. I'm just passing it on because it's not meant for me to keep it. You know, mm -hmm. if you yep. die, that's why podcasts like this, it's going to live on. You know, in case I, my demise ever comes, at least somebody can hear it. You know, mm. that's why we got it all. We are all authors of our own story and we got to share it. That's why we need to hear your story, hear your success, you know, child, so that your kids can hear it and see that, you know what, we're all overcomers. Sure. Thank right? you for that. Can we see your t-shirt? I've been curious. The whole time. <laughs> Black, Black Lives Matter. Matter. Love it. <laughs> 
Yes, they do. Yeah, and, and, and one way that we show that they matter is we share our information with each mm -hmm. other because that's uh -huh. what the, the other guys are doing. They share with each other mm -hmm. and they're able to just keep the wealth within their, yeah, with their groups. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it's not that we don't have access to it. It's that it's not being shared. So this is what we're doing. Thank you so much, Mr. Mele, for... Um, you know, being here and engaging. Um, shout out to our producer, Shot of Adrenaline. We, um, I'm telling you guys right now, David and Amanda, um, I will personally be working with both of you. Me too. Um, <laughs> you guys are awesome. I will. Um, because yes, I am involved in multiple businesses, but I am not uh, taking all of the steps that I could possibly take to make sure that, Same you know, here. I'm doing things a certain way and I, I am protected. So David, just let the people know where they can find you and how they can access your services. All right, so my name is David Jermaine with a G, not a J, and no E at the end. Uh, you can find me at proven underscore winners on Instagram. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, proven winners realty team at Compass. So proven winners team at Compass, and you can either Google me, David Germain with a G E R M A I N, and you'll find me. Trust me. And my number is seven one eight eight one two six four two eight. Hi, my name is Amanda Gale. I am the managing partner of Gale Law Firm, PLLC, a boutique law firm that practices trademark and business law here in New York City. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram page is Law. My website is also www.agalelaw.com. Also, if you would like to email me, email me at agale at agalelaw.com. My number is on my website. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. You guys are my experience and I am super ecstatic to be yours. This is the Nola Row Experience podcast. If you're listening on um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're tuning in, make sure you leave a review. If you're watching right. YouTube, make sure you leave a like, comment, share. People always say like, comment, share, but they don't tell you why. Let me tell you why. If you like, if you leave a comment, if you leave a review, it tells the algorithm that you're interested. And the algorithm says, hmm, if th this person is interested, let me share it with more people. You give us more visibility. So thank you so much for the people who have already been doing that. Please continue to do so because sure. we need our voices resonating around this planet because the other people have been talking this whole time and they've been leading you astray or not giving you the full information. Mm -hmm. So it's time that we uh, get that ball rolling. Thank you so much for listening. Thank, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you guys. I appreciate you. Much love. Peace.